Welcome back to another edition of the Cameron Brooks Podcast. This is Pete Van Epps, and on this episode, I interviewed Jonathan Brewer. Jonathan came to a conference in fall of 2018. He had 15 interviews at the conference, got almost every company to offer him a follow-up interview, uh, went on five follow-up interviews, got a bunch of offers, and ultimately chose to be a sales professional at a company called Anderson Breland. And so when we started the conversation, it was basically just going to walk through his career thus far and, and, and his transition and some of those things. But what the conversation ended up landing on primarily <clears throat> is a conversation about sales and some of the misconceptions about sales, um, his experience and how he's been able to bring value to his customers how he's been able to get over some of the initial hurdles, what his kind of day-to-day looks like, at least to a degree. And so this conversation, uh, I think, will be helpful for many people who generally think sales is a certain thing when it's actually a very different thing. And so I'm going to let Jonathan tell you all about it. But but suffice it to say, his experience is very real and very recent and very relevant. So you can listen to and take what he's saying and really apply it to – how you might, one, conduct a career search, including sales, uh, and then two, if you do choose to go into sales after your search is complete, some of the things you can do to get up to speed very quickly. So Jonathan is, an, is a great guy. He has excellent insight, and I think you'll really enjoy this episode. If you want to know more about who we are and what we do, if you've stumbled on this podcast, um, I'd encourage you to check us out on our website, Cameron-Brooks.com, where you can find a lot more information about making a transition to corporate America. I'd also ask you to um, uh, subscribe to this podcast and like this podcast. That certainly helps with the ratings and getting this podcast uh, to out, out to other people. So I would appreciate you doing that. Okay. Well, without further ado, here's my conversation with Jonathan. Okay, Jonathan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for uh, thanks for taking a couple minutes out of your busy day and joining us. Yeah, absolutely, Pete. Glad to be here. I appreciate the time. Cool. Well, why don't why don't you start by just kind of kind of giving us the high level? Who who are you? What, what tell us maybe a little bit about your military experience and kind of what's brought you to today, just to give us a little bit of context and background. Yeah, absolutely, Pete. I, uh, yeah. So, uh, like you said, I'm Jonathan Brewer. I've uh, you know I'm a Cameron Brooks alumni uh, for about what 15, 16 months now. I uh, went to the August 2018 career conference, uh, originally from outside of uh, Kansas City, but went to school at Oklahoma State University and uh, was a part of their ROTC program and uh, actually branched field artillery right out of uh, college, uh, spent seven and a half years on active duty and, uh, you know, brought up a family and, and, and got married, had three little girls and, and we made the transition and uh I kind of pursued a route through Cameron Brooks, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Okay, so so um, before the conference, and I, you know, what what I did, the way the way I prepare for these conversations, I go back and pull everything. I read all the notes, I grab like all the conference stuff, and so one of the things that that um, I remember is you were working hard on preparation and it and it showed at the conference and we'll get into how that went here in a moment but you're working hard on preparation 
Um, but you guys, but you guys, you, you and Emily, you and your wife were trying to also balance, you know, launching your career, but also trying to balance the location piece. We have location preferences. We, there's places we don't want to go. And now that you're through it, because, because admittedly, that is a thing that is probably one of the things that I end up talking most about with officers, because it, it's extremely rare to find someone, myself included. My wife and I are from San Antonio, so we certainly had our location um, preferences. How did you guys navigate that, and how did you ultimately land on where you landed? Yeah, that's that's a that's a question that's really near and dear to my heart, Pete. I, uh, you know, I was very blessed to uh, uh, to have Emily be on the same page as me from the very beginning. Um, as we started to make our transition, we were. Uh, we had this conversation a lot, and I think you'll kind of see a trend here uh, throughout our time together about opportunity over location. And uh, and and so Emily and I sat down from the very beginning, and uh, we we were kind of we were, ha- had multiple brainstorming sessions, really, you know. And we we started talking about okay, you know, where would it just not work for us? Where would it just absolutely not make sense? And uh, and so we had that conversation, and we tried to keep that area possible um, to really kind of own in on on capitalizing on the most opportunities over location. And so uh, we just kind of kept open lines of communication between each other. Um, I, I knew that she was going to play a big part um, in my career search, um, but, but as well as, as where we we're going to end up. And so we were very open with each other from, from the start. And uh, Mm-hmm. Um, I was very open about displaying my personal goals and professional goals and where where I saw myself, but also where I saw us as a family. And so that was very yeah. important to us going into the conference. So it's a big, big balancing act. I, th- I think the biggest problem that I, not problem, I think the biggest hurdle that I see people engage in is this idea of everything you just said, you know, on on its face. And now that you're through it, obviously, it makes a ton of sense. You obviously executed on what you just said you, you you guys worked through. But a lot of people, it's hard to get all the way to the end because it's like, I don't, you know, Cameron Brooks is telling me that I'm going to have interviews and, you know, I that I'm going to do this career search. But what if I don't like, you know, I, I hear this a lot. What if I don't like any of the companies? What if uh, none of them really suit me? What if I have no interest in all of that? And And, and, and so there is a... There's a bit of a leap of faith, like, okay, um, there's telling me this. I assume it's going to be that. Okay, I'm coming to the conference. How did you get over that hurdle? Because I think everyone has to get over that hurdle. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's, I think it's exactly what you said, Pete, as far as it was definitely a leap of faith. And and just to give, you know, the audience some perspective, you know, I basically said, hey, you know, Pete, Joel, Rob, help me out we've got to be in the Midwest, you know? And so out of 15 interviews, I interviewed from basically off, off of career locations from Minneapolis to Houston over to Louisville, Kentucky. And so um, there's a perspective there for the audience and future JMOs or transitioning JMOs rather that uh, that's a, that's a broad search. And so um, I had faith in the, in the process um, I also had faith in the companies uh, throughout the process, um, searching for developmental candidates. And when 
an organization is truly searching for a developmental candidate, you're not going to be stuck in Louisville, Kentucky your whole life. And, and unless that's what you want. <laughs> and right. so, exactly. Um, yeah. And, uh, and so that was a big part of our consideration when we ultimately chose a specific opportunity. Um, I think, I think, and I'm just going to make a point and then we'll kind of move on. Um, I think that's the real piece of it all, especially with the way that the companies, because the companies are coming to the conference looking for leaders within their organization, but it's a little bit of a give and take, right? It's a, for in y'all's case specifically, you weren't going to want to interview for roles out on the West Coast, California, whatever. You weren't all that interested in getting back, you know, getting to the East Coast or anything like that. And so, but if you think about it, you're like, but within this major swath of geography, I mean, from Minneapolis to Houston, basically, you know, there's a lot going on. And as you said, 15 interviews. So it definitely is a bit of a give and take. And uh, and that's typically what I see and how it works out. Now, you said you had 15 interviews, most of which, by the way, I'm sitting here looking at your interview schedule from back in 2018. Um, most every company said yes to you at the conference. Um, I guess my first question, which wasn't one of our one of the questions I sent you beforehand, but how how did you get everyone to say yes to you? What is the okay? <laughs> what's the secret? What what can you tell people who are going to come to a career conference? Uh, you know, what can you tell them in order to help them be successful? That perhaps I'm not telling them. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sure. I mean, I don't know if I have the exact answer, Pete, but uh, I appreciate the question. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I prepared until I was blue in the face. I I I really worked hard um, with a group of individuals. So that would probably lead me to my first point. Reach out to your peers. Um, maybe you have some some counterparts at the same duty station. That helped us so much. We would lock ourselves in a room. We got to know each other. We would get comfortable with each other. That way we could, you know, talk about our answers, you know, we would ask each other interview questions, uh, we would talk through it, and, and there's a hurdle to get through when you're answering interview questions in like a mock setting, right? It's, it's, the, yeah. it's the feeling of being uncomfortable, you're scared that your answers yes. aren't that good, and you definitely feel that um, with the Cameron Brooks team the first couple of times you do it. Um, but I would just encourage everyone to understand that, that everyone's around to help you prepare until you're blue in the face. And then when you get in front of that employer or future, future organization, just remember that you're having a conversation and sometimes they're not even necessarily looking at the role per se. They're looking to see whether or not they can work with you. And so mm -hmm. it's important to like take a little bit of part of yourself and your personality into the interviews and just have a conversation and then and follow follow what Cameron Brooks has taught you. And and so I would I would kind of leave it at that, Pete, with just preparing yeah. and preparing and preparing. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's great. I, I that that's and you know, it's funny, I, I was having a conversation with Joel as we were traveling calling you from our January conference here in Chicago. We're kicking it off today as a matter of fact. And uh, and he and I were, were having a conversation um, as we were traveling up yesterday, and and there's a lot to it, right? Absolutely, that that's a drum that we beat on consistently. Got to prepare, got to got to prepare. 
talk a lot about showing interest in the company. We talk about conversational interviews, but I think it's just so much. So the big takeaway for me in this, and, and I appreciate you saying that, is it's always good to hear another voice kind of validating this is preparation sincerely is the key to success at the conference, right? Being prepared allows you then kind of frees you up, if you will, to be yourself, understand, you know, understand how you're going to connect certain, make certain points or connect to certain things. So, okay, excellent point. So now you had 50, okay, 15 interviews at the conference. And when you were done, most companies said yes to you, but when you were done, and I'm sitting here looking at the paper that you filled out way back when, and <laughs> every company in your top group was a sales company. <clears throat> now, you met Rob back on April 13th of 2016 for a personal marketability assessment. And I, I didn't see anything in the notes, so maybe I missed it, but I, did, were you even thinking way back in 2016 you were gonna be a sales guy? <laughs> no, not not at all. And, and it, it's funny you mentioned that, Pete, because I called Rob. We had our our personal marketability assessment, and and he was talking a little bit about my interests. And man, that seems like a lifetime ago. But uh, it, right. uh, you know, coming coming from the army, um, you know, my focus was man. I, I love leading. I love developing. I love mentoring uh, soldiers. Mm -hmm. And so that team leadership mm -hmm. really, I was I was really drawn to a future career in leading others. And the more, I guess, the closer I got to the conference and the more I learned the difference between the stereotypical sales persona that we all think of, uh, quite frankly, business to consumer, or, and then making that transition mentally to business to business sales and talking to employers, talking to you, talking to some of my peers, I realized. I think I was doing this every day on active duty. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. And, and the more I learned about the, you know, B2B sales, it was just, it was a more and more, it was, it just became a, a better fit for me. And uh, it was a, a relatively quick transformation as I jumped from interview to interview at the career conference. And I was having, you know, short bits of, of time with, with Emily, my wife in between interviews and saying, you know, hey, listen, like we need to have a conversation about sales. Like this is, mm -hmm. I loved how the interview went. I, I like what I see. I think I'd be a good fit for it. And then we just kind of took it from there. And when we sat down, what was it, Tuesday evening or Tuesday yeah. afternoon, you know, I'm trying to rank my, rank my yeses all right, you know, or, or really rank the, rank, rank the organizations before I even knew who said yes to me. And right those sales just kind of made it, made their ways, made their ways to the top. And I said, you know, I'd like to see more. <laughs> you know, what's funny is because when I'm looking at your file here or a copy of your file and, and, you know, I, I'm sure you remember because we had this conversation more than once, you know, I said, well, if you had a hundred interviews at the conference, how many would be in team leadership, which really is, you know, army field artillery operational officers, you're experientially your bread and butter, quite frankly. Um, how many would be in sales and how many would be in business analysis? You have a business degree. So that obviously that opens up that door a little bit. And you said, or at least this is what the file says, 50%, half of your interviews in team leadership, 30% of your interviews in sales and 20% in business analysis. And, and as I'm looking at the interviews that you had, and again, you had a bunch of them, 
that number, that, that percentage laydown pretty much works out. Um, so it's interesting that you really, you were open to sales. You were learning about it and having conversations before the conference. But if I heard you correctly, what you just said is I didn't make that decision until I got to the conference and I was, had some interviews and then I talked to my wife. I was like, Hey, I, I think we should, the ones that I'm really resonating with are the ones that are, you know, the, the, the these sales roles, which at the, before you came to the conference, you, that wasn't even the preponderance of your interviews. And my point, and I'm not trying to make a point like everyone should go into sales. I think the greater point is you, it seems like you discovered and made some decisions about your career through the search. Just kind of validate that for me. Talk me through that. Yeah. You know, that's, I mean, I would say that's, that's 100% accurate. I, the more I learned about sales, Pete, was, you know, I was looking at the flexibility and the and the territory and driving business, you know, operating on your own profit and loss statement. All of these things were attractive to me. And then, you know, when I was really looking at sales and started to think about, man, have I really been doing this? You know, think of all the entire audience that will ever listen to this podcast. If you think about what they do on a day-to-day, you know, day-to-day on active duty, you know, you're always sitting there, you're, you're providing recommendations, you're problem, you're, you know, you're solving problems and, and making, making recommendations to commanders. And really that's what I'm doing every day here uh, in sales. You know, I'm identifying needs. I'm, you know, customers are bringing problems to me day in and day out, and I'm just providing solutions and, and trying to show that value and, and just to be, and just to be a resource. So, but but at the conference, I started to see that. I started to see that probably at the end of day one. You know, I was going into Monday night and I was like, wow, what a day. I feel good, but I don't want to feel too good. But the more mm-hmm. the more sales I had, I just started to see the different types of roles of sales as well based off of, mm-hmm. you know, specific industries. And I just I just fell in love with it. And uh, mm-hmm. it and there was opportunity there, you know, not to not to go back to opportunity over location, but there was I started to see a trend there too, as far as sales and where you could end up and where you could be. Like everything just kind of sure. aligned. Well, it's interesting too. I mean, if you and I, I actually want to ask you a question based on what you just said, but when I'm looking at the group, your top group, you you know, the represent the represented industry, I think it's four different industries of the of the five in your top group. And so that's another big piece of it because a lot of people think that well, say all sales is X, whether it's you know medical or in the industrial or whatever it might be. But in your specific case, you saw a lot of different things. I do want to kind of walk down that path, but actually, I want to go back if you don't mind. Let me just go back to something you said real quick. Um, sure. And really, not 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 necessarily something you said. Well, actually, you said it earlier. What, what's the difference in your in your mind? And this is, hopefully will help a lot of people because I think most people assume that when they hear the word sales, they're going to do a certain thing to a two people. <laughs> so um, can you can you describe for us in your experience the difference between business to consumer selling, as what you said earlier, and what you actually do? Yeah, absolutely. You know, so what I actually do and my perception of of business to business sales is I have a portfolio of, of products and equipment, you know, equipment, uh, consumable items, things like, things like that. Um, so when I go sit down with a customer, there might be a pre-existing relationship or they might be um, a, a new account that have never met me before. 
they're they need the products that I'm selling to make money for their organization. And ultimately it comes down to, you know, does does myself or my competitor have a better product? Um, is it price competitive? And so they need what I'm selling. It's just whether or not they see a fit and value to go with me. And and so that's my view of, of B2B selling. Um, on the other side of the fence, you know, my perception of business to consumer is someone may not even have a need, but you're trying to identify that need and they don't need it to operate. You know, it's like, you know, going to, you know, a car dealership, you're in the market, but you know, that's, that's a true business to consumer relationship. And they're trying to show right. value to a consumer to sell um, something that would probably just enhance your life. Right. Not, not, that's right. I, and I think one of the things that I talk about, and I think you're going to appreciate this is I think business to, not, I think, I know business to consumer selling is based on a transaction. Like sure, you mentioned absolutely. cars, right? I, I'm not going to go, I, you know, if I bought a car last week, I'm not going out in next week and buying another car. Whereas your customers, all of, I assume all of your existing customers have made multiple purchases from you you know, in the last couple months or whatever, I don't, I don't exactly understand your business yet, but, but yeah, right. You, there's yeah, a lot absolutely. of repeat kind of residual. And so absolutely. with, with business to consumer, it's like just a transaction, whether it's a cell phone or a vacuum cleaner or a car or whatever, but once the sell is made or not made, and I think that's why you see a lot of pressure, a lot of travel, but, but in, in your, and you may do some traveling. I'm, I want to really get into your day to day here in a moment, but I, but I know darn well, if you ever walked into a customer and started applying pressure, well, let me just ask, <laughs> let me put that in the form of a question. What would happen? <laughs> this feels so leading. What would happen yeah. if you walked into a customer and applied some hardcore, you know, what do I need to do to get you in this product today? What would happen? Right. I, you know, I think I'd get, uh, uh, kindly escorted to the door. Um, <laughs> kindly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And maybe not, you know, in some cases, and, and I have a few customers that are just ab outstanding people, but they would not lead me to the door so kindly. Um, so <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, you know, I, I actually appreciate you bringing that up as far as, you know, it's, it's a big deal, um, to build a relationship, show some value, and close some business with a customer because to your point, you know, it could be $10,000 a month, but if you're cultivating that relationship and penetrating that account, what is that $10,000 a month over the next 10 years? You know, so mm -hmm. it's, it's that part of B2B sales is, is very nice and, and, and a big differentiator between B2B and B2C sales. Okay, so let's get into your job a little bit. So um, before I do this, I want to I wanna say that I believe that your first, let's see, your first job in the military was a company fire support officer, the Army field artillery officer. And so I did that. That was my first job in the Army as well. And so that job, in my opinion, has the closest overlap to a real sales role because basically you're going in trying to provide value to a customer who quite frankly knows, knows that you could bring value but doesn't trust you enough to give you enough responsibility to help him neutralize enemies on the battlefield. And so it requires trust, it requires competence, it requires um, 
um, being there. And so I just feel like your first job in the military was so like sales, but you're fortunate in that um, you had that job. Most people don't have a job that directly overlaps the sales. So how did you, what was it like for the first month or two in your territory? I, I talked to you actually, I don't know if you remember this, but I talked to you, you're in your territory like two or three months, you were doing a business plan for 2019 and we were kicking that around. So can you tell me a little bit about the first couple of months in your territory? Because other than your company FSO job, really nothing else in the military truly directly overlapped the functional work that you're doing now. Sure, sure. Yeah, you know, in the first couple of months, you know, I, I might have been reaching out just to get a breath of fresh air, to be honest with you. Um, mm -hmm. It was, you know, I got just enough rope start in this organization to hang myself, so to speak, you know, and it was, and, and looking back, that was a very good work for some great individuals. Um, and, you know, those first couple of months and I'm, and I'm in the, my territory is the upper Midwest. So, you know, I do have, you know, a footprint in six or seven States and that schedule is on my own. As far as uh, trying to figure out that business plan and how I handled it initially uh, was, you know, I was getting into those accounts that we had a pre-existing relationship with. And in the very beginning, it's okay. Like, like me, in my experience, I had a firm handshake and a business card. And, and because at the same time, you know, I was training in conjunction with covering my territory, getting my name out there, uh, looking people in the face and shaking their hand and, and letting them know that, you know, I'm the new person in the territory. Mm-hmm. That's that was the battle at first, I think, is is trying to get around, you know, sending emails, uh, you know, introducing myself across the territory. And uh, it's it can be overwhelming. So, like, I, you know, my wife was involved. She really encouraged me to reach out to to some of my peers who I actually transitioned with at the conference. So, like, yes. hey, how are you doing this? How are you doing that? Yes. You know, and so yes. I built a relationship with three or four people. You know, I think lifelong friends straight from the career conference that went into sales yes. that, that said, I'm doing it this way. And regardless of industry, you know, yep. we're sales. We're in sales. And so right. there's a lot of similarities there. And uh, that's kind of how I got through the first three months and how I figured out how I was going to attack my territory, so to speak, and uh, yes. cultivate relationships. A lot of times, you know, I'll use the the um, – Jim Collins, good to great, and the the principle of the flywheel. You get into your territory, and you're just trying. You're pushing on the flywheel so hard, just trying to generate activity. Like you said, firm handshake and a business card, sending out emails, like just trying to get things going. Introduce yourself, because because it's like I don't. I at least in my own experience, it sounds like you were. Yeah, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing. I was just out there trying to like let people know I'm who I am and. But and it's funny that you mentioned your peers because I still go on a yearly vacation to Colorado with the three guys. They didn't come to my CameraWorks conference. One of them actually went to college with, but um, they were all in my initial sales training class. And so oh, me and these three guys, we would, and one of them was in Dallas, one was in Oklahoma City, and one of them was in uh, East Texas. And and I would talk to each of them at least every other day, every third day, and exactly what you said, man. Hey, what are you doing today? Oh, that's a pretty good idea. I think I'm going to try that. There is a lot of value. I mean, it sounds kind of loose, but in sales, there's so much white space that that it's really on you, and it's really designed. You know, the people that do best in it 
are the ones who can get in there and make things happen, even in the in the you know in the white space of life. Like no, you know, there's no eight week training calendar like there was in the army, right? So, um, right, right. And what and what is it like now? Okay, so the first three months were, um, you know, you're just out there trying to like figure out who's who and what's what and what you're supposed to be doing and calling your buddies and what. Now, what's it like? You you know, it's it's almost two years now. What do you what's up now? Yeah, you know, now it's it's I'm starting to see the fruits of that labor in those first three months, Pete. Uh, to, to be honest, okay. I, um, you know, I I went into 2020 really cultivating those opportunities that I was working 12 months ago. And, um, and now really working on those opportunities and then that activity that have the opportunity that have a strong possibility of closing by the end of first quarter. And, okay. and so I would say that's the big difference over year two to year one is, you know, I cover a lot of territory. I learn more and more every day with the with a growth mindset and I'm getting better every day, but I'm also cutting up my territory and understanding where my focus needs to be in relation to where where and when opportunities are going to close. And then I kind of shift my focus to micro markets inside my territory. So it's it's been a lot of fun. You know, I'm, I'm a strong believer in not being comfortable. You know, when we're right outside our comfort zone, we're we're constantly growing as individuals, and and that's something that's been a focus of mine. So now, one of the things that you said you cover seven, six or seven states, and and right when you first got there, it was probably like, oh gosh, wh- where do I start? Now you're talking about segmenting and micro marketing which all makes sense it's good stuff obviously and and i remember when i went into sales chuck alvarez told me pete when your first year in sales or in your second year in sales you'll look back at your first year thinking wow i was really inefficient your third year in sales you'll look back at your second year and go man i I still had a lot to learn so (laughs) your your maturation through this process is 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 very familiar to me um how do how have you kind of kind of gone from okay i've got six or seven states that I just own to how do you work it now? You know what I mean? What's, what's, what's your, what's your method there? Yeah. So, you know, in the first few months I kept looking literally in an Atlas, I would look at a map of the United States and I would look at my territory in the upper Midwest and I would just be frightful, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. looking, looking at that geography and, you know, I'm, I'm constrained by two things in sales and that's time and and geography. And I'm looking at this map and I'm thinking, how, how am I going to get around, you know, shake hands, introduce myself, be a resource, be, be a value and still be home, balance my life, be in my kids' lives. And and ultimately wife and three kids. And so, you know, really the big difference, you know, between year one and year two is one, I have a really patient family, which is awesome. <laughs> okay. And in year two, I'm starting to realize, so I have probably 200 accounts in that upper, you know, the upper Midwest territory here. And uh-huh. I can hit 96, 97% of my accounts from these four locations, Minneapolis, St. Paul. Sioux Falls, South Which is Dakota. where you live, by the way. Sorry, sorry. You live, that's that's your town. Right. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. I okay. live I live just east of St. Paul. So I live 
I live here in the Twin Cities. That's okay. probably 80% of my market, which is just there phenomenal. There you go. Okay, coming. I got it. Yeah. Yep. And so from Sioux Falls, Omaha, and Des Moines, I'm covering 96% of my accounts from four locations. My furthest drive is about six hours to Omaha. So um, that's really kind of how I broke it down and made it to where it was realistic, where I could cover my territory and really get to sleep at night knowing that I am covering my accounts um, and, right. and being that resource. <laughs> because not, not every territory is as big as yours, right? It depends on your market, depends on your company, depends on your product, but you actually have a pretty big per- territory. And that's one of the things that people say about sales, all oh, sales, all oh, high travel, high travel. And I don't think it's high travel. And, and even in a high travel territory, which I think you might have, um, you, you know, all, the preponderance of your, the overwhelming ma- vast majority of your business is coming from, you know, basically populated areas, population dense areas or relatively population dense areas. Like, it, ha- how are you, so how are you, if you have 200 accounts and 80 of them, 80% are generally in, in, you know, those centers that you described, how are you covering your whole territory? Because you're not driving to the four corners of your territory every other week, right? Right, right. You know, I would, someone else asked me this question a couple of weeks ago, and and I told them that I spend about six days away from home per month. Okay. Um, and that's, that works for us. And sometimes it's, sometimes it's less um, due to sure. the activity here in the Twin Cities to, um, you know, Des Moines is four hours from the metro of the Twin Cities. You know, depending uh-huh. on the situation and the, and the activity level and who I need to see, that could ultimately be a day trip if I needed it to be. Day trip, Same, sure. So, so day trips are important to me with the kids with the kids are young. And right. that brings in a whole nother level of the flexibility that we have in sales. Like nobody's telling me how to dictate Monday through Friday. If if I need right. to be home at 6 p.m. on a Wednesday because there's a dance recital or or, or parent teacher conferences, I can definitely work around that, and and that's kind of how mm-hmm. I'm attacking the territory. And so, mm-hmm. my wife and I have a conversation probably on a weekly basis about where I need to be and when, and I share the same thing with her um, from a sales standpoint. So it's mm-hmm. it's mm-hmm. everything's just meshing really well, and uh, I'm I'm able to accommodate both and hopefully do well at both. <laughs> What's the what's the thing that you love most? The one thing. This may be a hard question, but then I'm going to ask you the opposite question as well. What's the one thing you love about your job? I would say the goals involved in sales. Some people say those really nasty words like quotas or budgets, but I treat it as a goal. And if I don't have that, I don't I don't know what I'm working towards. And so, uh-huh. and, and that's kind of the way I function, you know, in my personal life, as far as, you know, what are, what are my, what's my three to five year plan? What's my 10 year plan? Where do I see the family in 10 years? And that's kind of how I'm looking at my, my career professionally is where am I taking this territory? How am I going to get there? And so I'm very goal oriented. I love that aspect of it uh, because at the end of the year, there's no better feeling than, than reaching, reaching your numbers providing value to your customers and then it's just spreading like a wildfire from there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so yeah. It's, um, yeah. Yeah. So, so because I think that's a lot, that's a concern that a lot of people have, like, 
you know, what if, what if I'm no good at sales, <laughs> which, which I just think people, yeah, again, I, I think they ask that question with a lot of the, the same uh, misconceptions that of business to business sales versus B2C. And so, um, how do you, how do you ensure success, Jonathan? You know, Pete, I'd have to answer that question with a question. Like, what's, sure. what's your grind? What is your, what's your hustle? You know, for me, mine's my family, you know, uh, providing. That's, that's something that's important to me. Um, the commission check, like all that stuff is a fun little, I'd, let's call it a competition for me. Like, how large can I get it this month? Um, mm-hmm. So all of that is 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 part of part of what I do. Um, but I would I would say it comes down to somebody's grind and, and, and hustle. You know, you've got that you know, have that growth mindset. Learn every day, be humble and, and just be just be teachable and everything else will come. If you're willing to get out there, get in front of customers, make those appointments, sit down, be resourced, provide value, the sales are gonna come. Well, I think that, that that's really the point right there. You know, Ron Willingham talked about this law of reciprocity, and you said it that right there. If if you are willing to put the customer first, I'm going to find value. It's not about me making a sell, sale. It's about me providing value to the customer. I'm telling you, man, you put the customer first, you will win all the time, almost all the time, right? There's, a, I guess there's exceptions to every rule, but boy, you put the customer first, you're going to win. That's what you're saying to me. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, let me, let me, um, or we're kind of running short on time. Actually, I did want to ask you the other side of that question. What's the thing that's hardest about, what do you not like most about your job or what's the hardest thing about your job? Like it can't all be perfect. Right. So what, what, what's, I mean, it's still a job basically. Right. Um, yeah, tell, sure, tell me, sure. tell me the hard thing about your job. I would say, you know, what I've experienced in this first year and a half or so is, you know, most of us, especially, you know, transitioning JMOs, you know, some of us have A-type personalities, you know, we're, we're, we're running through brick walls in our first, you know, civilian career. And the, the thing I, I struggle with most is, is patience, patience in yeah. the sales process, patience in, in just closing business overall. You know, I'm coming in, you know, I came in and I, and six months in, I'm like, where are these, where are the sales at? Where, like, how, how, how do I get this business to close? Like I needed it to close six months ago in October yeah. when I started. And uh, so I would say, you know, just, to, just to get an understanding of the sales process and everything's a little bit different with, with different industries and different markets yeah. and just to understand right. how long it takes and to understand the buying process from a customer perspective will kind of keep mm-hmm. you like will really keep your sanity at night mm-hmm. uh, when you understand that buying process and how a business operates. You know, it's not that you're incapable of closing. It's strictly the customer's buying process and the sales process altogether. And uh, so that's probably my that's my biggest struggle is because I want mm-hmm. them to close and say yes yesterday. <laughs> so right, of course. You know, yeah, and, and so that's. That's something to just keep in mind is just to have that patience, you know, when you're moving into sales. What, um, where, where does your career go from here? And I don't, I don't mean to be, when you said patience, it remind, I thought what you were going to say is my biggest struggle is like, 
once I figured out the job, I was like, okay, when do I get promoted? <laughs> and that was pretty early <laughs> in my sales career. And looking back at that, I was, in my opinion, I was a little immature. I wish I would have, frankly, I wish I would have slowed down a little bit because, because everything that you've said about sales, in my opinion, is my experience, which is just phenomenal. And when I think about like, you know, leaving that job, like looking back at it now, I was like, shoot, I wish I would have stuck around a little bit longer. Great autonomy, <laughs> great money. I love my customers. I mean, that's such a, such a fun job. And so, um, anyway, so what, what is the next, what is the next thing? Do you even know what the next thing looks like for you? And, and how is that going to ultimately come about? Right. Yeah. You know, I think I know, I, I keep having this conversation with, you know, families, you know, back home in the Kansas City area. They're like, what's that look like? You know, they, you know, they want us to be in that area, you know, more than we do. And, and, you know, I answer that question and I always preface it with, I don't want to put the cart in front of the horse. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, I, I understand what I need to do in my territory uh, to be successful. And, and, you know, Emily and I are, are comfortable with that. Uh, but, uh, in reality, you know, you know, 16 to 18 months in, you know, the conversation is being had about, you know, I think that the next move would be taking over the central region. Um, so that's, that's eight direct reports, you know, of, of account managers here in the central region from, you know, Minnesota, North Dakota, down to Texas, over to Louisiana, to Kentucky, you know, Ohio, the Great Lakes area. Um, and, that discussion is being had due to, you know, my boss is, is eyeing retirement. He's been doing this 45 years. And uh, okay. love the fact that the, the conversation is being had, but I, I don't take my eye off of the presence. And, uh, right, right, and right. so, you know, realistically, like, I, I hope to be having a conversation even more so with Cameron Brooks about, man, what a, what a story about opportunity over location. Because at the yeah. end of the day, my boss just needs to be near an airport. <laughs> right. And and so where he wants to live is up to him. And uh and, and that fits ultimately Emily and I's goals in the next and so we're excited about it. Yeah, that's good. That's great. Well, you know what we'll need to do is we'll need to have a part two here and you know, I don't know, a year or two <laughs> and, right. uh, and, uh, and talk through some of that. Um, okay. So, um, just cause we're running a little long on time here. Last question for you, any parting, okay. Put yourself back in here. I am, I, I'm in Chicago. So put yourself back in, um, Chicago, 2018, right? We were at this hotel together. How, what advice would you give to you? <laughs> you know, a couple of years, a few years ago, a couple of years ago here, what, 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 what's the best advice you can give a JMO is there, is there moving toward transition? I would say prepare until you're blue in the face. Seriously, yeah. sit down with your significant other or parents or siblings and, and talk about opportunity versus location and stay calm and have a conversation. That's what I would tell them. <laughs> Stay calm. I like it. All right, yeah. man. Well, that's uh, that's that's excellent. I love these conversations because I just feel like they give people, you know, a view of the other side of the fence, which is very difficult. You know, it's just a completely different industry. It's a completely different thing. And so, I really appreciate the the time that you've taken out um, 
please call me anytime for any reason. Let me be a resource for you. Please tell Emily, give Emily our best, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. All right, Pete. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Jonathan.